Live from Hollywood, USA, the entertainment capital of the world, this is the rumor mill for the week of April 6th, 2020. Your only source for drama, gossip, tea, and speculation from the world of RuPaul's Drag Race. Go back to Party City where you belong. The rumor mill starts now. Rog- oh, sorry. Hey, everyone. Like I said, I just started seeing your name, but I haven't introduced you yet. Like I said, the top of the show today is April 6, 2020, and this is The Rumor Mill. I am your host, Joe Batance, and I am joined, as always, by the goddess of glitz, glamour, uh, gossip. Uh, what else is there? Garantology? <laughs> Haberdashery? Well, I want to start with G. Oh, okay. Uh, Gobsmackery? What did you say? Gynecology. Gynecology. <laughs> yeah, gynecology. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, Laurie Roggenkamp. Hello, Laurie Roggenkamp. Gastronomy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Wait, Laurie. <laughs> Just seconds before this, you were like, I'm so tired. I'm a tired little bird. That's <laughs> show me. Show me is, is, uh, is all, all energy all the time. Yeah, that's true. Like as I call it, uh, Laurie Shogun Camp. Yes, it doesn't <laughs> work. As, it doesn't work as well as Shobatans, but uh, it does not. Yeah, it doesn't flow off the tongue as well. No, so. it doesn't. But uh, you know, speaking of, by the way, uh, I've started talking to uh, my former fling, my former flame, Aiden Deem. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were just chatting. I think everyone is just you know. We're in uh, like and not and not in a get back together kind of way. Just in a can we be friends, feeling each other out kind of thing. Weren't you guys basically just friends, anyways? Like when you were dating, you were just kind of glorified pen pals. So what would just be that, but with less? You know, Lori, I don't I don't like labels. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why you're trying to fit your heteronormative uh, expectations of relationships <laughs> onto me, but uh, but anyway, I and I'll tell you this: I love him dearly. I still love him. Did you know that did that bother you that I'm still in love with him? I I think it's because I think it's your version of love, but I think it's because you have intimacy issues, and so I think the fact that he's further away is is the reason why you still love him. I think if he was up close and personal, I don't know if you would feel still feel that way. It's funny so. that you say that cuz one of the things we talked about was, you know, how cuz we hadn't we hadn't spoken on the phone uh since the breakup. And so obviously oh, okay. the, the breakup came up and uh, one of the things we talked about was you know, it was that thing, you know, it was that thing. I don't know if you've ever been there with not just a relationship, not not, not like a, uh, it doesn't be a romantic relationship in any situation whatsoever. Uh-huh. Where you start talking to somebody again and there was a falling out and you go, no, 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 it was my fault. The other person was like, no, 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 it was my fault. You know, that whole thing. And That's kind of how I felt like we were when we first started hanging out again. No, it was 100% your fault. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. 
And, um, no, actually, you know what I feel? Everyone should know this. This Laurie Roggen camp is so generous. You're probably, people don't realize this because you're such a gross person. They don't realize what a generous soul you are. I remember uh, oh, no. a few years ago, okay, uh-huh. I, uh, is there a ghost knocking on your door? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I remember. I always forgot at 4.55, this ghost comes and knocks on my window. And I'm oh, always okay. like, oh, yeah. usually I'm not here. So yeah. I remember a few years ago, you, um, I, I, my car got stolen. Okay. I don't remember this. This is probably about, gosh, it might even be almost 10 years ago. Maybe almost, gosh, 10 years ago sounds right. About 10 years ago, um, my car got stolen. Okay. Uh-huh. And it was found the next morning, okay, like a hundred miles from where I was, and that, that's a whole other story that I could tell because I can go on a rant about that, right? But it was okay. found, and it, pretty much the car, with the exception of a couple of flat tires, everything in the car was intact, okay, except oh, that's good. except I had an iPod in the car, like a shitty first gen iPod. And uh, I was like, oh, that, cause that's how, at the time, this is like 10 years ago, that was how you listen to music. You would plug your iPod into your, your, um, your, your car, you know? I thought you were going to say that's how you stored your, because that's how I used to do it. I used to store all my bits in my iPod. Oh, yeah. That, well, the bits in music, every, everything was on my iPod, audio-wise. Yeah. So uh, I had gone on Facebook and said, listen, if anybody has a used iPod, that I can buy off of you, uh, I would do it. I, I don't want to buy a brand new one. It was an old. It was a first gen iPod, which were old in 2010. You know, I go. Yeah. But if you have a shit, just a shitty iPod, just to hold some music, so I can listen to stuff. And you were like, uh, Joe, I have what you're looking for. Uh, it it uh, come over and get it. So I go. Over yeah, there. I had I- just broken into this guy's car earlier <laughs> that day. <laughs> Stolen iPod, so it worked out. No, actually, mine was like a shitty, like, 60 gig iPod or whatever. I don't know what it was. And you gave me, even to this day, I think it's a really nice iPod. It was like a 256 gig iPod. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you said like your aunt had won it or something, or like there was something your aunt had gotten it. She didn't want it. It was some weird story like that, right? And yeah, and I was like, "Can I pay you for it?" And you're like, "No, no, 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 no one." Like it's literally just collecting dust in the drawer uh, next to this box of forks that I have. And um, yeah, just take it. And I was like, I was so touched by that that I never spoke to you again for like eight years. <laughs> Is this story even true? No, 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 I don't no, 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 remember story, any of this. If you, it's weird that you don't remember that you gave me like a 256 megabyte. Was it megabyte or? Oh, it must have been megabyte, not gigs. Never mind. What a shitty gift. No, no. It was like a two hundred fifty. <laughs> it was like a two hundred fifty six megabyte uh, iPod classic. I I remember my my aunt and I for a solid like two years used to just buy iPods. Like we were like, you know how like when you go to the grocery store and you're like, should I get milk? Do mm-hmm. I have milk at home? Yeah, I'm just gonna get milk anyways. And then you come home, and you find you have milk, and you're like, nah, well, I have milk. <laughs> I have two more more milk than I need. Yeah. Like, that's how we bought iPods. We would just go, should I get an iPod? Why? I have one, but it was just, you know, I think the reason was is, you know, when you're like, 
when I feel like we've had this conversation about losing weight before, but you know, when you're like, I'm going to work out and then you're like, but I got to, I got to get the right gear. I got to get the tech, Uh you know? And so you're like, I got the shoes, I got whatever. Whenever we would like, my aunt and I both would be like, we're going to start working out. We would always see like, this is the new iPod that Mm -hmm. like clips to your shirt, or this is the iPod that you can like wrap around your arm or, you know, and this, then we would always buy, that I we would be like, well, we I have to have the right iPod mm-hmm. so I can listen to music, so yeah. I can so that. And then yeah, well, of course, to listen to music. I, I'm gonna be that never. guy running. Yeah, I'm gonna be that guy running with the iPod Shuffle on my sh- clip to my shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there too. I've been there too. I have to buy the right shoes and the right basketball shorts to go to the gym and work out in and stuff like that. Or like workout gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, it and then I just eventually just use them with pajamas. Everything yeah. just always lands up being pajamas in my world. I I remember one time. Uh, so this is going to sound really weird, but I bought this thing. I was heavy into CrossFit and I heavy into CrossFit. I mean, I was heavy and I was also trying CrossFit. Um, (laughs) so I wasn't doing anything Uh like I wasn't really doing the exercises all that well, but it was Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed, this guy was wearing like this, like this almost like a watch but it was like a a a race board on his watch on his Mm -hmm. like on his wrist Mm -hmm. right and he used it to write down because in crossfit they give you a lot of exercises so they'll Mm -hmm. give you like a workout of the day and it'll be like five different exercises so sometimes if you lose track you can go up to the board but in order to save time Mm because you're so busy working out Mm -hmm. this guy would write it on his wrist right he had like a little mini so i found it online i bought it Mm -hmm. well cut to like three years later never used it found Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and i literally would wear it to sleep and i would just write (laughs) i would write on my arm like you're doing great (laughs) just wake up and it just is like smeared all over my arm because I've been like tossing and turning all night. And so I just see like you're or something like that on my wrist. All right. And that's on, just the sadness of my life. On that note, so. let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. Rock and Camp, Courtney Act shades RuPaul for letting a man drown. On Twitter, season six contestant Darian Lake posted the following tweet. Since the coronavirus lockdown, dolphins return and the canals in Venice run clear. I'm excited to think of what we're going to see in the Hudson River. To which season six finalist Courtney Act responded, maybe that drowning guy Ru sent prayers to? That response, well, do you know what that's in reference to, Laurie, at all? No, what's that in okay, reference to? Okay, here we go. That response was in reference to 2015 BuzzFeed interview in which RuPaul stated the following, and I quote, I remember once I had this place that overlooked the Hudson River, and I saw this guy on a sailboat, and it had capsized, and I went to the phone thinking, I've got to call, I've got to call someone. But then I thought, what's the best thing I can do? You know what? I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to send them loving energy. He does not say whether the man survived. End quote. What? What are you... That was an actual interview that an actual person gave. Actual interview, actual person. RuPaul gave that interview. I I actually pulled that quote from the article itself. I can tell you the context if you like. What's funny is the context makes it even worse. 
What's the context? The what context. shitty things have you done in the name of prayer? Close. The context, actually, it's even worse, was the interviewer had asked him about uh, the gay scene in New York and it's dying and does he think he could help it or something like that, right? And RuPaul says, essentially, you know, in the old days, I used to think, oh my God, the gay scene, it's dying. I got to help it. But now I'm like, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is really the gist of it. Like, I'm old. You know, that was the thing you try and do when you're young. It doesn't really work. They're going to die anyway. And I was thinking, you know what? These young people, they need to start their own thing. And they have to fail and do their own thing. And I just let, I just let them fail. Right? And so then he goes into the story to sort of prove his point about he saw the guy in the river and he was drowning. And he thought, I should help him. And then I was like, meh, I'll pray for him. And that was sort of his point that he was making of why he doesn't try and help the gay people more or the gay scene so do you think that that was a real story or do you think that was like a metaphor no i think it's a real story like- i think rupaul's a horrible human being he doesn't say it like a metaphor i can, oh I, can I can pull the whole um art i can pull the whole i can read you the whole quote i won't, I won't- that is legitimately the worst thing i've ever heard <laughs> And I'm talking everything Donald Trump has ever said. Really? That is legitimately the worst thing I've ever heard. Okay, I'm pulling up the interview right now. I've already found the interview. I'm just going to scroll to the part where I'm talking about. So I will give you the entire context. Because that's that's a debate that was on Reddit. People are like, well, maybe he was using a metaphor. Maybe... uh, It has to be a metaphor. I can't imagine that he would say that earnestly, honestly, and expect people to go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing here. Here we go. So he's talking, they're talking about, in the context of something now about toughness, right? This toughness reemerges as we talk about the gay scene and concerns over numerous venues closing. Quote, I was a teenager in the disco era, he says. I've seen it come and go. Yeah, things are going to close. Gay people come and make things really pretty. And rich people say, I want that. And they take it and it's fine. I've had my party. And you young fuckers, if you want a party, go make a party. Warming to the subject, arms gesticulating widely, he says, There was a part of me in New York years ago that thought, I've got to change this. I've got to help them, quote, the clubs. But then he says he thought, oh no, you do it. I've had my party. And then he segues into an anecdote. And I just read you that anecdote. And then he moves on to something else. Okay. Yeah, I can't. If it actually, if that story is actually true, Uh RuPaul is is an awful human being. Well, thank you. And I can't imagine that that's actually true. That's sociopathic behavior. I think he's a sociopath. That is so crazy. Oh my God. That's the thing people don't understand. And I think you and I have talked about this on other episodes, maybe even rumor mill. Everyone should know Lori and I do a million shows together is. I know it was definitely not Sydney Gates. (laughs) RuPaul. Oh, you know what's so funny that you say that. I was thinking of writing to them and saying, guys, I will pay you because what the world needs now more than anything is the Sydney Gaze. Ugh. Can you imagine if we could get that back? That would be great. I and get, get them to talk about the issues. Yeah, to get you know? them talking about the coronavirus. Mom, it's been awful. People don't know what we're talking about. We have to do that. We need to fit the coronavirus. People don't know what we're talking about, Lori. Well, you know, you can actually, if you go, I'm going to do a little Patreon plug right here. Patreon.com slash Afterthought Media. The Sydney Gaze is free. And you don't have to be part of Patreon. You can go listen to, pa- to Sydney Gaze for free over at Patreon.com slash Afterthought Media. Okay. So, um, anyway, is, uh, 
What were they talking about? Because, oh, like, oh. you were saying we've said this before, but... Oh, oh. The, the gay... There are people... There are gay icons who really... And I'm going to give them sort of credit. Like RuPaul and Ellen DeGeneres. These are people, yes. Because of their coming out process, they... Or just their gayness. Just their gayness. Okay? Let me say that. Because RuPaul didn't come out. You know, he was already out. But because of of what they meant to society they've made things they've changed society for the better for gay people for drag queens for transgender people whatever but but people don't realize and this is true for a lot of icons not just gay icons is the person didn't do it for that reason the person often just did it because they are such self-centered assholes that they were just trying to improve their own personal lot in life and because They were they were so desperate to prove, prove to improve their own lives that we benefit from that. If that makes any sense. No, I agree. Well, I, I don't know if you if you saw, but there was like this um, this thing on tw- on Twitter that was trending about how Ellen De- Ellen DeGeneres is mean or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I wanted I almost wanted to comment because I wanted to be like, who the fuck cares? Like, Ellen DeGeneres is, she, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry she didn't hold your hand, you know, when you were doing it. But then at the same time, it's like, you know, I feel like sometimes I feel like it takes more energy to be mean than it does to be nice. And so it's just the stories I've heard. It's like, she just must really just like, this must be how she like gets her kicks. Because no. it just seems like she just takes extra energy to be mean to people. No, okay. So, here's the thing. I've thought a lot about Ellen, because I've come down on Ellen, because I've known for years from people that I mean, she... I wouldn't be here today if she... I wouldn't be able to do what I want to do if she... if No lesbian, no female comic would be able to if she she wasn't around. I mean, that's just fact. It's fact. You're right. I'll agree with that, you know. But what I'm saying is, she did it for her. She didn't do it for you guys. No, I agree. But the same could be said for Roseanne Barr, Rosie O'Donnell, you know, all those people. Uh-huh. 100%. What I'm saying, though, is we're going back to Ellen. It, it, anyone who knew anyone who's worked anywhere close to the Ellen DeGeneres show business world has known this. This is like the worst kept secret in Hollywood, right? Yeah, I know a few people who worked on Ellen. They, you, I've heard these stories for years and years and years and years. What an awful human being! In fact, here's a little bit. I can't. I, can't, I don't think I can say on the air. Okay, I have tea. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. So, um, and by the way, for people, it's not any, it's not, if you heard the tea, it's not anything that's worth you going like, oh, Joe, keeping tea for masks, okay? It's just a weird, interesting little side bit. Okay. But it's. But it's, Jimmy Kimmel's also very, I've heard that he can be mean. And so, you know, I think, I think it's one of those things where people aren't looking at, people aren't judging straight white men the same way that they're, or straight men the same way that they're judging gays and, and women. And well, gays and women, for some reason, when they when they find success, they have to also be like the Mother Teresa of success. They have to be kind and, and it's like no, every anybody who's who's been like globally successful is probably a sociopath because you have to be able to put your your feelings and your your humanity aside in order to go and to be super driven. So, uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, of all, like, random talk show hosts, and I don't understand why this is. This is just an odd coincidence. He's the person that I have the most personal connections with. I've met him a few times. He's always been very nice to me, okay? And, but I literally know, like, four different people who don't know each other 
who are very good friends with Jimmy Kimmel. And so maybe that taints it, but like, I've only heard wonderful things about Jimmy Kimmel. Like, wonderful things. The one thing I will say about Jimmy Kimmel, though, is, and it, and it speaks to Ellen and all these other people, too, is what we don't understand is, especially, I don't know why late night show hosts are like this, you become super, super insulated and you are you're afraid of letting other people in like more so than any other celebrity you know yeah and uh the way kimmel protects himself is he only surrounds himself with like relatives and family friends he lets very few outsiders in if that makes sense yeah well it's just the way that the the you have to run the show i mean think about the level of content you have to create every day for five days a week, for four, let's say four days a week, that's still a crazy amount of content that you have to create for four days a week, and you have to be funny and interesting, and you know it's a lot of pressure. Well, and so yeah, I get that. It's funny that you say that because, uh, how do I say this without sounding, you know, like I'm patting myself on the back? But because of this coronavirus ep- epidemic and quarantine, I've had to work harder than I've ever had to before. I'm not complaining. But what no, I, no. But, but, yeah, what, but I get one it. of the things I've learned is I've been, and I was going to actually, this is what I was segueing into, is I've learned to maybe not necessarily agree with how Ellen behaves or RuPaul behaves or any Conan O'Brien you hear stories about too, is. I don't necessarily, maybe, okay, maybe you get there, and then obviously they're like a million times me, you know? But. What I would say, though, is I'm starting to understand it based on what you were saying is you have to protect your creative energy and there are people who constantly need things from you. And so I think what happens is you start to grow resentful. You're trying to protect. You're so afraid of losing that creative energy that you just see people who want something from you as interrupting that and, and they don't mean anything bad by it but it becomes no. something very irritating like i'm, yeah, not, I'm talking it, about Lori. it's almost like you have to you have to have a bridge between you and and your supporters because if you once you let people get closer to you then it's like then it, they start affecting it's like they get into your head and then like you said yes. then you start resenting it and then and then it becomes a negative thing and then you turn into somebody like I don't know. I, I can't even. But you turn into somebody like Rosie O'Donnell, who who goes insane at Rosie Bar. Yeah, yeah. And then you and then you essentially just like you start acting na- reactively instead of, um, you know, ins- instead of just doing what you need to do, or defensively you instead know, of just I'll, doing what you need to do. I'll even say this. Uh, I think a perfect example of this, believe it or not, is Donald Trump. And what I yeah. mean is. The office of president, and by the way, every president who's ever written about this will tell you this, from Obama to Clinton to Bush, which is, it's a very lonely job. And you have a ton of people who both want something from you, but they want to give their opinion. You don't know what, you don't know, you're so insulated in the White House, you don't know what's up and what's down anymore. And so you have to, you have to really learn, a strong leader is someone who learns to to trust his instinct and just go with his gut and let the chips fall where they may. The problem with Trump is he doesn't do that. He doesn't have the character or the resolve. And so he watches Fox News and people talk about this all the time. Whatever the last person said on Fox News, he goes with that. Yeah. And because it clearly affects him. That's exactly, yeah, because he's allowing everything to enter his, all of it to enter him. Yeah. You know, sexually. Um, But... (laughs) 
but what I mean, yeah, but no, I, I get it. But also at the same time, mm-hmm. you take that, okay, you put that over here, but then at the same time, you also have to go, okay, but you have to be mindful of yeah. how because once you create if look, if if I if I took if I spit on a piece of paper and mm-hmm. I sent it into a museum mm-hmm. and the museum was like, this is the best thing we've ever seen. And we're going to put it mm-hmm. on a display. And people came and they said, you know, somebody came, wrote me and said, I was going to kill myself. But then I saw your piece of art and I decided not to. I mean, your piece of art, no matter what you thought it was going to be when you first set out, has now become something else to people, to completely something else to, to somebody else. Yeah. So now it's out of your hands. And there are so many people out there who want to grab onto that and control it and say, I, you cannot judge me based off my art or you cannot judge my art based off of me. But unfortunately those two things are linked. And so it becomes this, this pull and pull, this tug and pull of, you know, you as the person versus you as the artist. And I feel like sometimes people who get to a certain level of fame feel like, Oh, well me as the person, I'm, I'm just my, I'm just a person. You can't judge me based on, and it's like, no, those things are linked no matter how much how much you don't want them to be they are so when rupaul says this stupid shit mm-hmm. it affects how people view her not only not, view him not only as a person but as an artist and so when you say that kind of stuff look i agree with him in a way i mm-hmm. think that yeah i think gay the gay scene is made up of the people who are involved and I think once you kind of get, once people age out and they're like, I don't want to go, you know, they, like one of the things they always talk about is like, why aren't there any lesbian bars? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to put that on myself? No, I don't like going to bars, period. So why would I, why would I want to start a cause to create lesbian bars? But if, if there was an, a woman out there who wanted to create a lesbian bar, would I say that I, I, I hope she does succeed. I hope she does well, but I'm not going to go to it. It's not, you know, like, mm-hmm. so to be supportive of something and to say that you want you want something to happen and to also say like but i'm you know i'm not going to give the the biggest en- amount of energy i'm going to give is a is a so saying i support you that's it i think with rupaul it's like she's she's not she's not only saying like i don't support you but i'm also not really going to like it's it's i just feel like she could have said it in such a totally different way that would have come out better and so she uses random anecdote where she essentially watches a man die and I just thought that that's insane. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> um, yes. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Rocky Horror actress Patricia Quinn responds to Aiden Zane's snatch game portrayal of her. British actress Patricia Quinn, known for her role as Magenta in the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show, has responded via Facebook to season 12 contestant Aiden Zane's portrayal of her on the snatch game. Ms. Quinn, who now goes by Patricia Stevens, wrote the following on Facebook. Disgusted beyond belief, liar. I do not know this utterly untalented person shite. <laughs> <laughs> Laurie, you watched the Snatch Game where Aiden Zane portrayed Patricia uh, Quinn, uh, Stevens Nay Quinn, as this crazy, drugged out, uh, senile old woman. Uh, what do you think of what everything's going on here? Yeah, I, I totally, I totally support that. I feel like she should be shamed. That was an awful, <laughs> that was an awful representation. Because first off, you you start out by thinking that she's actually trying to do 
who thinks she thinks Patricia Quinn is. Mm -hmm. And then you come to find out later that she did no research. Mm -hmm. She did no background. And she just decided that the answer to everything would be that she forgot. So yeah, I hope she feels utter shame for for do you for that that portrayal. Do you think she made up that she met Patricia Steve Quinn? I'm sorry, and that she had dinner with her. I mean, look, I I don't think so because it's such a weird thing to say. You know, it's such a weird lie. I think maybe maybe it could have been massaged a little. You know, maybe she went to. A restaurant where Patricia Quinn was also at the restaurant, mm-hmm. and, and she sat next to her, mm-hmm. or something. But I, I can't imagine that it's she just would boldface lie about it. So years and years ago, there was a a, a well known magician who was turning a hundred, and to honor him, they had this uh, like twenty person dinner that you could buy tickets to, and. Uh, as my friend Adam and I went to it, right? Was it Gandalf the Great? Was that it, the magician? It was Gandalf the Great, yes. Okay. And, um, you know, it was this guy, and I have a ton of funny stories from this party, but that's not what this is about. But it was this guy, this magician, and 20 Gandalf. people, Gandalf the Great, and there's 20 people, and I guess I could technically say I had dinner with this magician. Yeah. But I really did. It's the same kind of thing, like when you when you do a show at the Improv and they have like eight comedians on, and then Chris Rock shows up and says, "Hey, can I do a guest spot?" Yeah. And then the person on the show says, "Oh, I opened for Chris Rock." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So I, I think that's. A, I think it was something along those lines where there was maybe a dinner and she was there. You know. And, yeah. Uh, and so, and then that I don't know why that gave him a license or connection to do it. It, it was. It was it very was, bizarre. It was really bad. I mean, it was it was like it was like change my opinion about somebody bad. It was it was very the it was the RuPaul the RuPaul statement of watching a man drown bad. Like it was not great. It was ugh. All right, next up, Laura, are you ready for your head for your headline? Next, Suzanne Summers tells Access Hollywood. You're making this up Monday. as you go, aren't you? What you're making this up as you go, aren't you? No. I'm trying to read the article. Suzanne Summers tells Access Hollywood in a chat that she, the she, she's 73 now, but when she turns 75, she might want to pose topless for Playboy. Maybe on my 75th birthday, Summer says. She has posed twice already, mm-hmm. once in 1980 and once in 1984. Mm-hmm. And the the Playboy is actually currently not in print edition. <laughs> So it would just be online. So I don't know who that would be for. Yeah. Uh, but Playboy Enterprise announced on March 18th that after seven decades, it was going to stop print edition. And I think that's when all of the older women said, well, then I'll pose naked for it. <laughs> yeah, like Brenda Vaccaro. Yeah. Uh, Dixie Carter's dead, but she would have been one of them. You know, uh, Tyne Daly. She, uh, she also said that she was quoted as saying, that would be really cool. I would like to have Annie Leibovitz shoot me new Annie Leibovitz. Annie? Okay. If you guys don't know, Annie Leibovitz is she's older now. I don't know how relevant she still is, but she's considered one of the... She's still very, very expensive and still very prestigious. But to be shot by Annie Leibovitz is very expensive and very prestigious. Suzanne Summers, Like, like Annie Leibovitz would probably do Dolly Parton. Does that make yeah. sense? Dolly Parton's yeah. an icon... And that makes sense. 
Why would this Annie Leibovitz go and shoot this Suzanne Summers? I was thinking that you would say, because Annie Leibovitz to me reminds me of somebody who does like very dark, kind of great, like it's almost like depressing kind of photos, right? But I think it's seen, it's, it's seen as kind of cool and like. Yeah, it doesn't seem, it's not like Playboy. It's not like people are wa- going like, ooh, I like that, you know, that she's lighting. Like, she's photographed the Queen of England. Nude. Know? Nude. <laughs> her her mamma jamma's just hanging out. <laughs> do you ever, t- so, do you ever call stars? Yeah. Bo- do you have a name for stars boobs? Yes, I well no, not stars boobs, but her uh, her nipples. Oh, what do you call them? Well, I call one Verdi because it's inverted. So. <laughs> and what do you call the other one? I think I had like sassafras or something before, but I always change the name of it. Does she have a name I- for any of your body parts? Um, she has a name for my boobs, but I forget what they are. So, because she changes it too. She like changes hers. Um, you know. Oh, she calls my fist the Megatron. So, no, I'm All right. You see that? You see what kind of content you're missing over at patreon.com slash afterthought media? <laughs> These are the kind of conversations Lori and I have. Now, I said this last week and I'll repeat it again. I said it earlier in the show. Uh, I did misspeak though last week. I said most content, but then when I went back through the archives, like most of the content eventually just got released. But um, already. But what I'll tell you is a lot of content pre twenty nineteen is available for free at Afterthought Media. No, Patreon dot com slash Afterthought Media. A ton of content. If you're at home and you need content and you want to hear Lori and Joe or Lori and Taylor and Taylor and this and Nevin and Bobbly Blue, go to patreon.com slash afterthought media and you can do it. Now by the way, if you want to hear Lori and I talk go in depth, in depth about this week's snatch game, uh we're gonna do a deep dive analysis of uh, the Snatch Game. Uh, you want to listen to Rulaska Thoughts, and that's available at the premium level over at uh, patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. Not only that, last week's first response, we have a new segment that we're doing. Every, every, you guys should know, every Friday, immediately after the East Coast premiere of the episode, we have a first response where we give our first um, thoughts on the episode. We have a new segment, Lori's Lesbian Lounge. Where Lori and some lesbians come on and they talk about their interpretations of the episode. Lori, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, it, I didn't realize it was going to be a full thing. Um, yeah, we, we we had fun uh, the last time we did um, first response. Mm-hmm. We had uh, we just so happened to have be able to start talking to a lesbian uh, codenamed Spiral Queen. And uh, and then another woman came on Lucy, right? Was that mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, and we just we we were all lesbians, and it was a it was a weird moment. Our period synced up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we were able to uh, uh, talk about RuPaul uh, Drag Race and discuss you know how we f- felt about the show so far, what what our favorite um, queens were and stuff, yeah. and so it was a lot of fun. It was what- actually. It was it was fun because it was nice to talk to the to three women mm-hmm. or two women, mm-hmm. um, and uh, not have to hear Joe's annoying voice. But, uh, well, but yeah, it was as we explained at, at a certain time. I sublet my feed to a lesbian bar, so while they were there, there were yeah. like lesbian tunes playing on the jukebox, and yes. um, it was it was a good time. 
All right. Yes, and and Joe was acting like a like a straight man ex when he sees lesbians together. He was like, "Oh, what are you guys gonna do? What, what, are, you, what are you guys doing right now?" So mm-hmm. that was fun. That was also fun. So, anyways, yeah, that's it. All right. At this point, if you don't like spoilers, the show is over for you. Get out. Get the fuck out. Because spoilers are starting right now. All right, Laurie. Now, like I told you before, I still like to talk for a minute or so <coughs> after this. After we start this book, because people maybe I don't, in my imagination there's like a a person in the bathtub and they're like, oh my god, I don't spoilers. And they have to like cover themselves and get dry and and go get. I don't know why I think that only takes a minute, but uh, they have to run to get to stop the spoilers. Like if you're taking a shower and you're listening, you yeah. have to dry your hands before yeah. you you know. Mm-hmm. Or so, yeah. so, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so I'd like to give them, like, a minute or so before we actually start talking spoilers. Because, you know, even though they know it's coming. It's yeah. Be, yeah. Anyway, okay, for episode... Now, remember, and, you, you know, I talked to a lot of my friends. And they're like, I want to listen to the rumor mill, but I don't want to hear spoilers. And I go, here's the thing. The new rumor mill. I give a warning. We only do it at the end. And I tell them, then I, and then they go, then they tell me, you know, I save all the rumor mills for the end of the season so I can see how right you were. I go, let me tell you something. You can listen a week later because we only cover the rumors for the upcoming episode. Yeah. We don't do any rumors up, up beyond the upcoming episode. All right. Now, Lori, do you know anything? Now, I'm going to be spoiling things for you. Do you know anything about what's going to happen? No. All right. Here we go. So, as always, there are these expected moments. Expected mini-challenge is unknown. We don't know what the mini-challenge is. Uh, Expected maxi-challenge, well, we know what it is because of the preview. It's Madonna the Rusical. It's Madonna the Rusical. We're going to tell Madonna's life story in a musical form. Is Madonna going to be a guest star? No, they would love it, but it's not happening. No, we don't know. We're not sure who wins. This is not known, according to the rumor people, at least with ass- with assurance of a who wins. Okay? Okay. But the expected runway is Night of a Thousand Michelles. Night of a Thousand Michelle Visages, right? Oh, okay. They've done a Night of Madonna two times, and the first time was a complete failure, and the second time was a partial failure. Okay. Okay. So well, the, 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 now they're they're thinking that Night of Michelle's will be more successful. I think they think it's funny, right? Oh, okay. Now, based on since you don't know, Lori, if you had to guess, I mean, there's no reason for you know you don't see how they're performing, but it'll be fun to do this. If you had to guess, who do you think is going to be in the bottom two? Who do I think is going to be in the bottom? Um, I would say Jaden. Okay. Probably in the bottom. I think you're talking about Jada. Uh, Jada, sorry, mm-hmm. Jada. Um, I would say who else? Um, you know, I'm gonna say I don't. I don't know how Gigi Good's gonna do. I would say I would put her in the bottom too because oh, I feel like she's gone. She's done really well, and I feel like usually when you're on a high, I think mm-hmm. sometimes you, you stumble, and so I think this might maybe this will be the episode. Yeah, well, and, and I think for the filter. Wait, you just said you that with Gigi and Jada. 
Oh, I thought we could have more than one. Oh, more no, than no, two. no. Who, who are your bottom two? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say Jada and Gigi. Jada and Gigi. Here we go. The bottom two, you should have gone with your second guess. It's going to be Britta Filter. Oh, my God. And Heidi in Closet. Really? Heidi in Closet. The expected run, the expected lip sync song is a I don't know this song. Burning Up by Madonna. Okay. Burning Up. I don't know that song. I know. Okay. No, I'm thinking of the uh, Jesse J version. Now, Lori, based on what you know, based on what you guys, who is going home on episode eight? Gosh. Or it's seven. Episode seven. Who's going home on episode seven? Please tell me it's Britta Filter. Britta Filter is going home, everybody. She is going home. Finally. This is is her last episode. Britta Filter. Uh, And that's going to do it for the spoilers. Uh, Lori, do you have any spoilers that you're bringing to the table? Oh, don't you make up a spoiler? Yeah, I make up a spoiler. Um, We're going to find out that Gigi Good has... uh, does not have all, uh, or one of her body parts is missing. All right, very good. Okay, but well, it's, yes, it's an important one. All right, well, I, I, once again, I don't think I have a, I gotta come up with a closing for this intro. Anyway, Laurie, we'll see you next week. Join us, uh, Pickle Myth, P I C K L A M Y T H. See you next week. That's Lori's Instagram, by the way. That's my Instagram. Follow me.